What are these, Wolverine books or X-Men books? I don't know. I can't tell the difference anymore sometimes. Oh, jeez, Louise. Oh, you got, what, how many Wolverines in one and then a couple others in another? I'm confused. Who's talking? Is it Justin is or this, Alicia? Is it Patch? Does that count? Oh, my Lanta Santa. Welcome to the Ex-Wife Podcast. I'm Alicia. And I'm just a lovely bunch of bubbly bubs. <laughs> Fantastic. And if you're new here, that's Justin. That's me. <laughs> well, we got comics to talk about. Yeah, we do. Wow. Wow. Look at us go. We're here. We're, we're only doing got a it. few comics. Just, yeah. just a couple. We're, we're running a little late. We're aware. We told you on, on Instagram. It's, it's fine. It, you know, you know, life got in the way and we got back to it. And yeah, so here we are to talk about our Digi, which is X-Men Unlimited number 125. And our two tangies, Wolverine Madripoor Knights number one. With a K, Knights. Yes. And X-Men number 31. With the X. Yep. The Knights. Yeah, okay. <laughs> All right. I'm working on my banter. Hmm. <laughs> you might want to go back and workshop some of those before you bring them on to the podcast. Oh, but it's news time. Oh, it's news time for that. It's news time. News, news. This is the kind of podcast you get when we record at 8.20 in the morning on a snowy day. Yeah, yeah. That's what you get. You know what else you get? What? When the news... I can't what? remember if I said it last or not, so I gotta say news. I gotta say news, <laughs> news one more news, time. News. News. <laughs> news. Deadpool and Wolverine. Deadpool uh, and Wolverine. Shooting to the top of the news list. Psych, you thought it was a Deadpool movie? No, it's not Deadpool 3. It's not even Deadpool 2 featuring Cable. It's Deadpool, Deadpool and, and Wolverine. Wolverine. Wow. Wow. So many, I mean, it's been dissected. I had a post up yesterday putting in some of the things that I caught out. But then, you know, shortly after there was the idea that the, the Secret War comic in the the last shot in the the side and so many people are, are saying this bald person could be cassandra, cassandra nova. nova i saw that i was like i think that's, whoa, 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 I think that's whoa. a little too wild but you know i'm, I'm down with it you want to make a splash but that just feels like i just feel like this movie is gonna be nothing like they set you up right in the beginning to be like expect nothing because right. the first shot the first like thing that happens is the tva shows up sure right. and you're like no i wasn't I wasn't prepared. I for wasn't that. prepared for that. That's not. That wasn't on my but radar. Narratively, makes perfect makes sense, so much right? Sense. So one of the things that I called out: a couple of people that would have been otherwise dead in this trailer mm-hmm. are alive because at the end of Deadpool two, Wade went back and saved all these people, calling the attention of the TVA. Indeed, we assume, indeed. right? Well, it's interesting, right? Because I was trying to look at the TVA, like I was looking at the symbol, and now is this the TVA in which Loki is the? center uh, of the timeline or is this the tva before the end of loki because they still have pruners so are they still pruning timelines this is a whole like yeah no that's a good catch and and you know like is this the reformed tva with the crew because right, who is this dude i've never seen him before sure, sure. well know? we couldn't we couldn't get owen wilson for this why not <laughs> wade wilson owen wilson they fought but yeah, it just kind of like crazy to think about where in the TVA timeline, ha ha ha, the TVA has no timeline, where where this falls, you know, and, and all of the possibilities. But there's so many exciting things and like and just, little nuggets. And just very tongue in cheek, just very yeah. self-aware, already breaking fourth wall with yeah. the pegging joke, which yeah. was fantastic. And like it just, 
it's very it's exciting. I'm you know, excited. It, uh, I think it was Pastry Jordan that said, "I don't like Deadpool movies, and I am so sick of Wolverine." But how could you not be hyped right. by this trailer? I'm pretty excited about it. I think it's going to be really fun. Well, it's interesting because that ties into another news item. Oh, we have a new MCU timeline on Disney Disney dun, Plus dun, dun, on the dun. normal website, slotting in some other featured items as the Marvels has come out on Disney Plus, as mm. Echo is now in this full picture. All of the Netflix shows, even Captain Carter. Yes. Sorry, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Still no sight. It's Captain Carter. I want to watch that show again. Sure. I love that show. I wonder if Deadpool being connected to the TVA will slot at least that movie or any of his previous movies into this Marvel timeline order. I, mm. I, as I was thinking about it, they didn't do that with Spider-Man movies, even though they kind of accepted that those were tangentially related. It's still, you know, the, I do the feel... divination of or, or division of the cinematic universe is that connected to this one incorrectly labeled 616 universe or is that something else? Yes, I yeah, it, incorrectly labeled. I wonder though, because Deadpool like calls out like that's new for Disney, and they're like those those movies were still like joint properties where this is now fully theirs, right? Right. So I think it will end up in the timeline. Well, um, the the uh, like the original Spider Man movies weren't joint properties; they were kind of like Marvel said Marvel sold the rights to Sony. But the Tom Holland movies, those are MCU mm-hmm. movies. Those right. joint movies are in the in cinematic the universe. Yes. Interesting. I think there's a lot of questions around it. There's a lot of excitement around it, and that's mainly what we're here for. Yeah. Speaking of excitement, X Men '97. X Men '97. I think we talked about it last episode, where the vague tease of when and how and what and where, mid March kind mm-hmm. of question mark. But Russell Dodderman dropped a cover. Ooh. Variant cover for the first issue of the X Men '97 series, written by Steve Fox. Oh yeah, teeing up that cartoon, I keep teeing up that adventure. That. That's happening. Four issue miniseries, not a required read, but a kind of. It's interesting that kind of goes into another point later on. But I just made a face at Justin. Also, yeah. when he said not a required read, I'm like, I need required reading if I'm gonna watch this cartoon. I sure, need sure, to have sure. all the knowledge I can since I never. I personally never really watched the original X-Men cartoon. I know. It's a it's a box left unticked on well, my things we, to do. We've got like two weeks till March. All right. Let's Don't get it. tease me. I'm not. I'm serious. My eyes just got wider than they should have. <laughs> I'm serious. Let's do it. Anyway, it's, it's an update of a previous piece that he had done. It's beautiful. It's online. You can find it. Okay. All right. We got okay. A, we got an art preview for... Miss Marvel, Mutant Menace, number mm. one. A couple of pages that I shared on Instagram. One of them showing a few X-Men, a few Uncanny Avengers in the Morlock tunnels. Honestly, the more I thought about it, the more I was like, that's bait. <laughs> like, I don't expect They're this. They're going to get you. I don't expect this to tie heavily into the X-Men storyline. More of like a personal journey for Kamala as she reconciles with her new mutant status. Mm. But there also were a couple of additional pages I didn't see, including Horticulture. So, so you know, if maybe you, it's not just bait. Well, you know, if there was ever one to be associated with Krakoa bait. It's horticulture. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I'm either way. I'm excited because I really enjoy Kamala as a character. That's great. I did a so 
I don't know what. Valentine's Day is on on the rise. It's, it's tomorrow. upon us almost. <laughs> you know, it's it's going to be here before you're even listening to this or maybe while you're thinking about it. Mm. And so part of every every year I'm like, "Oh man, we should do a Valentine's Day episode." And then like, who has time for that? But I did like a little relationship roundup Ooh. to try and get a sense of like who are the relationships, the ex-couples currently, how are they doing? Yeah. One in particular, not doing so well. Another in particular, you know, it's the one that was spared. Kind of spoilers for our upcoming issue, X-Men. But yeah, so, I mean, the icons of X-Love seemingly are Tony and Emma. The icons of X-Love. Okay, right? I you mean, know, that's not where I thought you were going with that. They but. are crossing human mutant lines. They are crossing X-Men Avenger lines. They are falling in love. Yes, they are. Stop looking at me like that. I'm already okay with it. Just prodding for a reaction. They're falling in love. Sink and Talon. Sad. For reasons that will be later explored. Yes. Scott and Jean also sad. For reasons that have previously been explored, but likely going to be fine. I feel like they're Scott and Jean, right? Right. That's their thing. Rogue and Gambit. Classics. Classic. They're in the sewers. They're just hanging out. They're doing whatever they're doing. Loving that. They're doing well. They're loving their life. Rachel and Betsy. Mm. Two high-profile missions on different sides of the multiverse. Yes. Kind of interesting how they balance that. Richter and Shatterstar. Yes. Another reunited couple Both in this week's fresh comments. new looks. Yes. Very nice. Very nice. Wilson and Mary. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Our other human mutant relations team. Yep. And a third human re- mutant relations team, Storm and Craig. Craig! I love Storm and Craig. You know, I do too. I'm just happy. He kind of came out of the background but and, we and stepped knew. up into, I don't know, secondary character status. We knew. We knew. We were like, Craig is going to get it. Be sure. Yeah. Storm's going to be into it. Yeah. Right not? Are any other favorites? Any other ones that I'm missing? I, I tried to, like, obviously you can't capture all of them, but those were the ones that, like, really stuck out. Maddie and Alex? Sure. <laughs> They're on their own journey right now. That's that is fair. You know, that is a a dominant relationship in X subscriptions. I mean, they are together. <laughs> she did make him a zombie just to yep. keep him alive. Yep. I think she does love him now. Oh, sure, sure, sure. <laughs> he definitely loves her. Any others? There's been no progress of the Psylocke and Greycrow mm. tease of the heart tease that kind of the heart. Like, fell away. Even even Aurora, I mean, you want to talk about kind of open wounds. Mm. You get Fang with many open wounds and Aurora Oof. maybe not even aware of it. There's also not really been much tending to that as an actual relationship. I don't think they really had any moments in Alpha Flight or kind of reestablishing mm. the fact that, yeah, this is still on our radar. This is still a thing. Yeah. I don't know. Something to think about. Happy Valentine's Day. Yeah, happy Valentine's or, or Day. Or not happy Galentine's or Day. Happy, or yeah. happy Wednesday. Happy Palentine's Day. Sure. I never know that was a thing, but that <laughs> I makes just sense. made it up. Great. Love it. <laughs> Dudes need love too. You got personal news? Personal news. All right, I got two things. One, I had a really great follow-up appointment um, with my surgical team the other day, and they're really happy with my progress, and they said that they think I'm like what the doctor actually said to me, I think you're killing it. 
And I was like, whoa, whoa okay, thank you. So that was a, a much needed boost. And then the other thing I wanted to say is I know I've mentioned on here the story, the saga of the Emma, the Iron Frost suit. It's still on my mannequin. Don't say it. Just don't even say it. Don't. That's for me. And so, but I, but I, I'm being realistic. And so I'm, I'm letting everybody know I'm setting expectations this year. I'm going to try to do a 2024 cosplay on a budget and like a very minimal budget so i'm going to be going through all of my fabric and seeing what i already have and characters on my wish list and what i can make and the reason i'm saying that is because i have foam but i don't have enough foam to make emma's suit at the moment and so i need to put a pause on that unfortunately and work on something else i have hopes for excalibur kitty and I have potential hopes that Rasputin could still happen with the fabric that I currently have. So we'll see. But that's that's my personal news. I'm I'm trying to be budget smart with my cosplay this year. And what can I get out of what I already have before I spend more money? Love it. It's great. It's wise. And you might still, you know, that's where ingenuity takes over and you do something crazy. Mm-hmm. We hosted Dungeons and Dragons in person at our house. Yes, we did. The other day. And a couple of things. One, just I am obsessed with Dungeons and Dragons now. I fully admit that out loud. I spend entirely too much time researching items and and spell potential and (laughs) what could Treezus be in the future when, you know. Mm -hmm. But I, I knew that was happening. I knew that was happening as I was writing a campaign where he was like a god later in life. Right. You know, like there's things that have gone too far in my mind. But what that meant was that, A, I got to try out some new stuff. Mm-hmm. Worked really well, which yes, was great. Yes, it did. Yes, it did. Turning undead and summoning a spiritual weapon. Thank goodness for the turning me undead. Yeah, that was a, a huge save. <laughs> but that motivated me to clean up the basement because people might come over and see mm. the spaces where we get nerdy. And that space has historically been a war zone it's because true. of the massive number of action figures littering the floor. It's probably one of my favorite things about having a house is that our nerd spaces are separated. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's fair because I thrive in the chaos. <laughs> like, I, I walk downstairs and it's all everywhere. And I'm like, no, I don't want to move boxes. I just want to sit and pick up this comic and maybe open this action figure. And Meanwhile, that's me. I come upstairs and I'm like, I can't start a new craft until this room is clean. Clean. Must rearrange for the fourth time Let this month. Let me move month. the furniture again. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the other thing that stuck out from last week is, shout out to Rococos, and I'll probably post about it this week. Uh, Chris had found a old issue, not old, like mid-90s, mm-hmm. X-Men Survival Guide to the Mansion. <gasps> oh, yeah. Which I had never seen. Yeah. Like, I think I had seen that it existed, but mm-hmm. I had never actually paged through, especially not a physical copy. Yeah. But this is a, a physical copy with the little wire it's binding. so cool. And just essentially data pages <laughs> about different elements of the X-Men, the mansion, the world that they're in at that time. I think it's ironic as we're talking about going back to basics, as we're mm-hmm. talking about going back to the mansion, probably, wah, in some way, wah. in some fashion. I think that that's as part of where we're going in a second. But, you know, it's just interesting stuff. Yeah, it is cool. All right, so we have sales data. 
Uh-oh. And two poles. It's a data week. It's a data week. Bam. Data, 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 data. Sales data for January 2024. Ooh. The big one to talk about. Non-Xbook, but a top seller of the month. Can't find it anywhere. Ultimate Spider-Man, number oh. one. Hickman and Chichetto. Bum, bum, bum. Chichetto. We knew that was going to happen. Oh, man, it's so good. It's headed into second printing already. Oh, shoot. But you know who's number two? Who? Fall. Of the House of X? You are mad because you didn't say Fodhox. I can see it in your face. <laughs> We're not cutting this out. Fodhox number one. <laughs> number two in the whole list. Fodhox number one. Fall of the House of X. Beating out that same week's issue of Amazing Spider-Man. Mm. Which, I mean, we've talked about how Spider-Man, Amazing Spider-Man, that is a... It's a top seller. Icon seller, right? It's mm -hmm. always in the top three, usually. Yeah. Right? For Fatox to beat out same week, because that is another conversation mm. we've been having about... How long it has How long to it has yeah. to, to ramp up that sale, right? Number, wow. Number six... Rothbox, okay. number one. That's, that's a pretty good showing for these new titles. Mm -hmm. Number 12, Wolverine, number 41. Okay. Start of the Sabretooth War came out the same week as Rothbox. Okay. Something else to point out about that. Number 36, Wolverine, number 42, mm. which came out on January 31st. So it wow. only had that one day. And it still did that well. To hit number 36. And I think that that's interesting because we're talking about the the angle with this Wolverine story. Right. And, and does that entice readers? Does that turn more readers off? Mm. We'll, we'll maybe see more of that because a lot of folks had been reacting to number two, right. wondering if they were going to continue. We'll right. see how that lands as the arc goes forth. Yes. We'll have to wait for the February data for that, though. Boop, 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 boop. X-Men 30. Mm-hmm. Came in at number 13, okay. and Resurrection of Magneto at number 15. Wow, okay, so pretty good. Pretty solid show pretty all around, yeah. X-Books. X-Men, well, you know, those number ones, they mm -hmm. always do you well. And that's why they keep on doing it. They, you get the extra dollar or two now, because I think that's something else interesting to track on both Wolverine and Spider-Man, is that they consistently are a dollar higher than your regular book. Mm. So Wolverine is a four ninety nine book standard versus... Mm -hmm. A three ninety nine book with Oh, just always? Yeah. Every issue. Whoa. Oh yeah, we talked about this a little bit. Right. And you got all bubs about it. Yeah, I'm gonna get all bubs about it all the time. Good. I love it. All right, two polls. Two. Right, because how do we do that? I don't know. The first poll, I don't know why I put this out in the world because But I, you did. <laughs> I did. I don't we'll see what we do with this. Should we have non Krakoan books in the poll? Mm -hmm. Yes or no? And the answer was? What is your answer? Oh. So instead of I this guess. poll, it would have been X-Men versus Wolverine, Magic Poor Knights. And and it's interesting because I was talking to Daniel back and forth, Comic Extracts, and he, he kind of acknowledged or clocked the fact that when I say Krakoan books in the poll, I'm just referring to 616 mainline continuity, basically. Because mm -hmm. Krakoa and the Krakoan age is, is shifting. Well, if you're going to put those parameters on it, mm -hmm. this... Madripoor Nights is technically 616 mainstream continuity. It's just in a different point in time. Yep. So, so I would not have counted that normally. So it just it happens in the past. It's not. Yes. Yes, they should be. Yeah. 
It should all be in one. Just put them all in. Oh, the people agree with you. Fifty-nine <laughs> percent to forty-one percent. Okay. And I voted as many times as I have Instagram accounts for no. For no. I don't know why I put it out there? Because I was like, I don't want this. That's you gonna ruin my data. It. Like I, I just, I'm probably not gonna do it until the Krakoan era ends. Especially the if we have multiple. The system, the system is rigged. System it's is a lie. Rigged. Democracy is a lie. <laughs> it's not real. It's not real. Kings of the castles. Oh God, I'm I am revolting. I'm with the people. Yeah, well, maybe you can do your own poll then. I no, thank you. <laughs> Another poll, and this kind of came from some realizations that okay, so Blood Hunt mm-hmm. is a Avengers Marvel wide essentially crossover event. Mm-hmm. Right, we saw the tease, talked about it a little bit. The free comic book day issue, yes, that teases Blood Hunt also includes a story with Jubilee. Okay. A former vampire. Indeed. Who has connections to the exterminators who have recently had vampire expeditions. Well, they better be the main team of Blood Hunt. This being the last thing of Tom Brevoort leaving the Marvel Heroes line Mm. as he transitions in to the X-Men line. Interesting. Would make sense for some kind of connection between them. And that was just me kind of like, I wonder... Don't put those things in my mind. Now I need the exterminators to be the ones who save the Marvel Universe from the vampires. Well, that's that's on you. That's not on me. Oh I'm just I'm just gosh. thinking out loud and telling Sass- you what's up. Fresh, delicious today. So, are people interested in Blood Hunt? Yes, no, kinda. Who won? Kinda. It did not. Oh, kinda lost. Yes, won. Yes, won. Get it. Forty-three percent. Okay, that's I'm, that's I'm a not, high number. I'm interested. Kinda with twenty-six percent. So overall, yeah, let's go, vampires. People are into it. I'm gonna get the main event series, and then anything that touches X and Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. But that's it, probably. You know, yeah. I, they showed the infographic with all the tie-ins and titles. <laughs> I just said. Woof. It's overwhelming. <laughs> yeah. I'll catch you on Marvel Unlimited. Thanks. Eee. But definitely interested. I just like Jed McKay and Pepe Larraz. Like, oh, you yeah. can't mess with that as a team. Pepe. So obviously, I'm going to check out that main title. Yeah. And with it, Red Band trailered up, you know, mm-hmm. polyurethane bag to hide all your secrets. <laughs> Is that the word? I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. The one in the bag where you can't see what's inside and oh, all the blood. Oh, yes. Okay. That is probably polyurethane. Okay. Yeah. Understood. Great. We did have a general question from Captain Two Michael. Okay. He wonders if we'll see a good saber tooth help Logan. Mm. Like amongst the crowd, which I, I do think that that's interesting as at the end of or, or throughout issue two, there was some dissent in the ranks. Yes. Some questioning of leadership, some questioning of calls. Would we see. Maybe one of them, maybe not a pure mm. good one, but someone who just does not like the direction that the crew is going in. I feel like the animosity in the group is more about like Sabretooth letting Wolverine live too yeah. long and being too kind to him. So that particular call out doesn't strike me as there would be a Sabretooth who, like, I think if a Sabretooth goes rogue in the Sabreteeth, then it's going to be a power struggle, which mm-hmm. may be For detrimental to their cause, which in turn might help Wolverine. But I don't think there's like one who's like 
yeah, I just want to be really kind to Wolverine. Right, right, right. So I'd imagine it's an interesting they, twist. I'd but, imagine that they all have a Logan yeah, that and they despise. maybe not the same level of relationship as right. Victor does. But, you know, mm-hmm. I don't think they're just going to be like, oh, wow, yeah, he's not so bad. Yeah. But this I, other guy's worse. But I do think there might be some, you know, trouble at home, essentially, that kind of shakes things up sure. as far as the saber teeth are concerned. We shall see. Let's talk about comics. Let's talk about comics. First up, X-Men Unlimited, number 125. Celine teased at the top, but not further narratively. No, I mean, our basic narrative here is that the hatred of Orcus is spreading. It's not just staying in the United States. It's leaking into other countries and same with the bigotry of mutants right and and it's it's not okay we're checking in with the uk yeah and betsy's betsy's not gonna stand for it and she's making a stand against the british government and she's she's just letting danny know like hey hey girl (laughs) i'm gonna do something that's not gonna be nice right and I'm just kind of giving you the heads up because we're on the same team. Thunderbird's ears perking up. Like, hey, I'm on the wrong yeah. aisle. I need to go over to Braddock Isle real quick. Just drop me off so mm-hmm. I can crack some skulls. I did like the reunion between Shatty Buns, which we get a reference to that as a, a pet nickname from Shatty Buns. Betsy, yeah. And Richter coming yeah. in. To save the day with a, an unsure green glow from the ground. Mm-hmm, but he's got a new look. Yeah. And I like it. Yeah. We're going to knock on some doors with Betsy next issue, or at least on the tease, a Borstal breakout. I've got one like lingering question or thought from this issue. Right. And it's, it's kind of like a twofold question. So first, these sentinels that are Wolverine-esque, yeah. that have the claws... What I wonder what percentage of their body is actually adamantium and can the psi sword actually cut through adamantium? Because Betsy's slicing those babies up. She takes one's head off. Well the uh Shatterstar's swords are the one that decapitates when he appears, right? So he decapitates. I don't think that they can, mm. to your question. I so think... they must only have adamantium claws and their full bodies? Oh, no. To that question, I believe that their full skeletons would be adamantium because they would be deserted wolverine carcasses, for right. lack of a better word, right? So they would have full adamantium bone skeletons, but rigged up with electronics to give them some kind of sentinel chassis. So Shatterstar's swords can cut through adamantium? At least that's what they're saying in that issue that's, double swords you know there it's got the two blades on one of them yeah that's we all just know my shatty swords that's my only question that's that's a good one that's a good continuity call out mm-hmm. galetta grafico is shouting for betsy that's it that's the whole week for me just yeah. just shouting for betsy betsy this was written by steve fox and steve orlando art by nick roche colors yen nitro letters travis lanham this is travis lanham are you ready to talk about the bubs in Madripoor? I mean, that is another call out that we didn't mention mm, yes. from the Deadpool and Wolverine. A shot of Patch. The back of Patch. At a table, gambling table, assumed to be Madripoor. I mean, where, where else? Where else does where Patch else go? Where else is he going to be? Nowhere. That's it. That's it. Yeah, I'm ready to talk about it. What do you think of that cover? I like the cover. Yeah. It's got our three classics. It's got our three main characters of this story because don't let the first few pages fool you. 
Jubilee and Psylocke are only here to bridge the gap from that uncanny X-Men issue that we all know and love. Yes, yes. Let's give it an honorary page turn noise. Because you say, you say honorary because this is high level? This we're is going high to? level. This yeah, is high yeah. level. I mean, the majority of this issue is... is I, I do like the voiceover from Logan as he's mm-hmm. talking about... I'm sorry, Patch. This is a different guy. Right. He's talking about the keeping up with the Joneses, essentially, of Madripoor. Mm-hmm. The, the low town, high town. But even once you build a skyscraper in high town, it's already obsolete because someone else is right. going bigger and better. And it just it's interesting to then have this crash in fight like i love the art in this yeah i think the really art good. is spectacular i think even just the narration like this was fun as a throwback comic yeah i i was getting a little bit like okay i'm reading the issue and i'm like is this actually going to be about anything is this about anything are we just fighting we're just fighting okay you three are here Black Widow is here. Oh, look, Captain America's here. We're fighting, we're fighting, we're fighting. But then, little more than halfway through, we finally start to get this layers of the secret ops and the the crime of it all and this idea that there are these extra extraterrestrial war weapons that are out there that we need to get the intel on and get behind. And now, you mentioned it at the beginning, but I will say, when I first, because I never, like, looked at the issue at first. Like, every time you brought it up, I just heard you say, Madripoor Nights, Madripoor Nights. And so, in my mind, it was Madripoor Night Times. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, Knights. Madripoor Knights. And I do think, what I really liked um, was getting to know a little bit more about Natasha in the Marvel Universe oh, sure, yeah. because I really only know her from the films and so it was cool to kind of get this idea that she too is super old yeah. and like she's been in World War One mm-hmm. with Cap and Wolverine and like that was cool for me and I, I'm interested really to see how their dynamic unfolds and their relationship because I really enjoyed that about this book. Like I enjoyed the relationships between the characters and like the quips and... The character dynamics, especially mm-hmm. even between Jubilee and Psylocke with Wolverine, like this whole Jubilee being unsure, being kind of a little in over her head, but also coming through in the clutch when necessary and just kind of freaking out. Like she has gone through a great story in Uncanny X-Men at this time where she has saved Logan's life a handful mm. of times. And they reference that. And like stop treating me like this kid even though she is a kid and will become right. one of Logan's girls as things go forward but you know it just it's an interesting capture of this time and it is Claremont so he knows these characters and he knows these characters at this time because he originally wrote them yeah the other thing that i think is really cool about this story is that we have this thing that we know is not going to affect Logan in the long term this idea that he's not healing Right. But we know that it ups the stakes for this story. So in a story that is kind of inserted into a timeline where we know what happens after this, we know where the characters go after this, it's cool to have an element that adds stakes for the character and adds like difficulty to what may otherwise have been an easier mission for the three of them. Yeah. So I really liked that angle too. And the sort of like secretiveness of Natasha sort of finding out about it and kind of giving Logan the like, well, then why isn't this happening? And there's the little like don't worry about it well plus plus ninja battles abound like i love the hand i love Mm -hmm. the red ninja hand i have entirely too many of them as Mm -hmm. action figures and 
just seeing this, you know, they're like goons that you can slash and kill. And as that one image of Wolverine having slashed so many of them and they're disappearing into vapors. <laughs> questionable under Captain America's feeling, but. Right, right. Still. I thought this was solid, this was fun, interesting. And, you know, these three are going to be our main source of narrative going forward for this kind of tangential throwback story. Yeah. I thought, you know, it was, we got the slash em up fighting action, which you love to see in a Wolverine comic. and What you're here for. Right. And, and there was, what made me happy was there was a clear formation of a team and a clear goal. Yeah. You know, that's what I'm excited about, where this is going to go. How is the healing factor going to twist the story? How is Captain America versus Wolverine's morals going to twist the story? Where does Natasha fall in, in between those two things? And also a unclear, like, I, I know the hand is just presumably the bad guy. Mm -hmm. But then you have this other group that I don't know, the Bakai coming mm -hmm. in. And like, uh, just, they seem like they're good or at least on the trail of good and, and mm -hmm. we're backing what they're trying to do. But I just, whenever you have these two opposing forces and you're kind of on the outside and you're wondering who's in the right. I mean, right. anytime you have vapor ninjas slashing in through a window against Captain America, usually they're in the wrong, <laughs> but still. Right. Right. Yeah. I, I actually am excited about where it's going and am not as like Ugh, another Faulty. Wolverine story, you know, cause I feel like it has a solid direction. So, I'm excited about that. You know, like the, um, what was the title of the other one where they... Patch. Yeah, Patch. I thought that that was good, but I wanted more from, like, the story of yeah. that one. More weight mutant, to it. Right? right? Like, And so I feel like this has that. I mean, so that, to compare it, that did have the little character arcs of those two new created mutants for that story. Right, right? and the third, the third younger one that right, they were, right. like, trying to save. Yep. Well, this was written by Chris Claremont, art by Edgar Salazar, colors Carlos Lopez, letters Corey Petit. VCs Corey Petit. It was called Blindsides Galore. Blind or, or the, the setup. setup. Yeah, right? Dun, dun, dun. A little metaphor for your comics. Right. Is it the setup or is it the setup? You know what I mean by that? Sure, 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 <laughs> sure. I mean, there's no space, so... <laughs> But it still could be the yeah. setup, like we're building yeah, yeah, yeah. it, or the setup, like you're in, you're You've been screwed. set up. <laughs> that cover was by Philip Tan and Sebastian Cheng. Two questions for it. Two questions. When Vaderino saw Psylocke and Jubilee in this, he thought, oh, maybe this won't be so bad after all. JK, it's still a Wolverine flashback, which, <laughs> which was a little bit of the emotion that I had yeah. as they are getting written off at the end of the issue. Mm -hmm. But at the same time... I'm I'm a sucker for a good Wolverine flashback, and especially with Claremont writing, I'm gonna buy it. I'm gonna enjoy it. Yeah. Furious thought it was a beautiful nostalgia trip. God, I miss Assassin Psylocke. I matched a tannin heavy Cabernet from a Queensland vineyard mm -hmm. close to the tropics. Why? Because the wine, like Psylocke, has legs, legs, legs. Yes, legs, <laughs> legs, legs. Yes, you do. Let's go. I love and it. She's dangerous with them, just dun, like a wine. Dun. Done. That's another thing. I don't. I haven't personally read many comics with Psylocke as like Betsy and Kanan together. Sure. So this is an interesting glimpse into that, you know, version of the character that I don't have a lot of 
experience with. Well, it's just, it's a very complicated time mm -hmm. in comics, right? Not only just because we did an episode about how complicated it is, yeah. but it's complicated with how people feel about it and right. remember it, right? You know, you have a person who was a British supermodel mm -hmm. who took over the body of a Japanese ninja assassin. Mm -hmm. And then people saw that without knowing all the complicated background. Like you watched the show or you mm -hmm. played the video game or you saw the action figure or the card and you're like, wow, that is a cool, sexy, badass ninja. Right. I want to be her. Right. You know, like, and then, you know, Marvel trying to navigate the cultural appropriation of this uh, British supermodel right. in this woman's body. And how do we separate that 30 years too late? And <laughs> I don't know. It's, yeah. it's yeah. you know, I still have love and nostalgia for Betsy at various stages in her comics career. If you're newer to the podcast and you never listened to those those uh what were they called retcon, retcon wrangler Wranglers. episodes you should listen to the psylocke one because <laughs> my brain was not ready at that time to handle that amount of information yeah it was good stuff is it time to talk about x-men 31 it is time x-men 31 nimrod crushing skulls on that cover for real the nimrod battle i mean what a team to fight against this guy mm -hmm. the visual displays of all their powers but it I doesn't look great right. <laughs> it doesn't look great for the team i no. do love this cover you know you, you can't go wrong with a jdc cover mm -mm. here we go page turn noise <laughs> Don't you have more important places to be, Sink? What is with this bench? Oh, it's just the bench of meeting. It's the bench of conversation. It's like always around in people's brainscapes. And we're always meeting on this bench. Important conversations are always happening on this bench. Well, I mean, this is a metaphorical bench. There's the bench in X-Men 25 where Kate met with her rabbi. Right. And obviously Moira messing Moira with Charles's Charles birds. Moira and Charles' bench. Yeah. But, it, you know, it's a place for a heart-to-heart. -heart. It's a place mm -hmm. for hard shares and truths to come out. Yeah. As Sink is fighting Talon in his mind, fighting to keep her alive, wanting to stay with her, fighting her advice as to, you need to let me go. This memory-sinking Gene's gift to keep Talon up in there is taking an immense toll on his psyche. Right. And now that Talon herself, her physical body is not around, he doesn't have the healing factor to sync with. And so it's it's affecting him more than it would if she were actually here. But thankfully, Kate's been keeping an eye on. Oh, the idea that he may have slashed himself in his sleep is so sad. But also, I'm as we know, I'm not the biggest fan of Sink and Talon in terms of like shipping them, their relationship. Like it's not that I don't like it, but it's not like they're one relationship that really tugs on my heartstrings. But I will say that seeing Sink in this yeah. turmoil and his inability to like move forward in any other way because he's so torn up about this definitely definitely got me. Oh yeah. Yeah, just the the pain I, I do think there's there's been a lot of conversation about Phil Noto mm -hmm. and his art. Oh, gosh. And I think what I do want to call out, <laughs> that's an inside joke. Freaking for... me and Blonde China had our own side conversation. I made Justin privy to it. And now poof. it's just blown up. You know, I'll I, talk about it in a second. Go I, ahead. I do think the expressive faces mm -hmm. are something that he's nailing in this issue, especially sync 
having like battling with this, the concern in Talon's eyes, even just like that first page, the range of emotion that you see in her reactions, I think is really well captured in the details of their faces. Yes, this is what I'll say. I think Phil Noto's art is great. But when I see Nimrod coming in and slashing up and I have this, I want to feel the gritty a little bit more. So I think, you know, in terms of the emotional and the facial expressions mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. all of that for this issue, I think Phil is the right Spot choice, on. right? But for the fighting, I want something with harder lines. Yeah, and a little that's bit more just, dynamic. It's not to say that I don't like his art. It's just that it doesn't evoke the same kind of like crushing, gritty, you know, what did what did Michael Blanchina say when we were talking? He said, give me Josh. And yeah. I was like, yeah, always. I always want Josh. But like... Or uh, Federico Vincentini. Yeah. Like the kinetic flow energy. Uh, like it, it does... I 100% agree with you. And I, I love Phil Noto's work. I mm-hmm. love just this texturing style. But the action sequences feel very stiff. It's also almost like the... the like. When they're flying through the air, they look more like they're floating through the air. Right. It looks than like, they're being slammed into a wall. You it, know? like It looks like unnatural physical positions that don't really have the energy of the motion that they're carrying. It's like you're moving around action figures in space. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's like the, the soft. But you know what it works really well for? I think for Kate phasing. Like the softness of how like one thing flows into the another. Like the way when she's like climbing up the wall after after we go through the title page and she's like phasing and kind of floating there like those floating moments they read so well but before all that we're talking about spider-man on the roof with miss marvel because you know we need more spider-man in our x-men spider-man is just here he's just part of the x-men now and i feel like he's super involved in this story he's super involved in anywhere he can get some more page time because (laughs) he's here to use Norman's positioning before we burn that down with whatever's going on with Norman in Spider-Man. And we talk about how the High Evolutionary's biobomb mm-hmm. is undoing Modoc's work. It's which working. Some, some people rightfully were like, this feels like a quick and easy snip snip to, to cut this seemingly well, large threat i mean it's been playing out over the last few months since the hellfire gala and since it was announced here's what i'll say sure okay so yes a seemingly large threat that orcus has never followed through on sure yeah. not once that's true except for the the visuals in that one x-men where they had the guy slash splash through the window right. and to his death and two yes it might seem like a quick fix however they've been plotting and trying to find a way underground they went to the the thing to get it which we lost talon in and now like the actual implantation of the of the device like it it, it's function it's actually being used like yeah that's not going to take that long like that's that's the solution is well, is an antidote, right? I, I think to your first point about the fact that they made this threat and didn't actually do anything with it. Right. I think that is why it feels kind of not explored mm. is because, yes, yes, the fight to it has been a large goal of the underground X-Men since the start of their formation, right? Mm-hmm. They've been trying to undo this that's been selling their name and then prepare for the counterattack, mm-hmm. right? And so them succeeding in that and, and just using this weird science, I don't know how that works, but, you know, they, they recalibrated the ball. And now instead of wiping out the human genome, it fixes Krakoan medicines. It's wiping out the 
yep. whatever is bad in the medicine. Yeah, that's great. That's fine. But Nimrod's here. Nimrod's here. He and you found busted. you. Orcus knows. To 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 title page. Keep it together. The Passenger, written by Jerry Duggan, art and colors by Phil Noto, letters by Clinton Coles. VCs Clinton Coles. Joshua Casara and Marte Gracia on the cover. Oh, I don't think I realized that Phil Noto also did the co- the colors. Always. And also, I feel i have a lot of feelings now that i've said this on the podcast i just want to be clear like i really do like phil noto's work okay yeah i'm not harping on him i just need to say it i just need the people to know so i think i've talked about there was an interview with phil about his style and how he does it he works in photoshop Mm. which i think you know a couple of people have responded to the fact that a lot of his female faces look similar mm-hmm. right and i yeah, think that that's because that. yeah. shapings and and you know like how are you getting real definition and difference in your thing or, or if you're just kind of following a general this is how female faces look mm-hmm. you know uh, but yeah so he colors everything he inks everything is not really traditional inks he has his own workflow style interesting yeah Okay, I just had to say that because I was feeling feelings. Um, a lover's quarrel. We're back on the bench. Struggling to muscle memory without the healing factor that Talon provided as we need you sink can be heard from a distance. Mm-hmm. And his little Talon fortress is burning to the ground. Burning to the ground. Two people mm-hmm. calling attention to this. I saw those messages. So there's Warline asking and Bill on Twitter asking, you know, is this fire here any involvement from the Phoenix? Mm. We had a similar fire conversation between Scott and Gene a couple of issues ago mm-hmm. in his memory or in his mind. Is this intervention? I don't know how. Well, if he's tapping be, into right? Gene's power. So that's what I was just going to say. Yeah. Is, is he having some connection to the White Hot Room, to the Phoenix, because he's pulling on that thread? Mm. Is that creating? I don't. I love it. You know, I'm but, here for it. I don't think that they would do that. No, I don't think so either. I, I, when I saw it come in, I was like, that's such a cool theory. And I didn't even think of that at all. But I feel like in this moment, the fire is just meant to represent that, like, it's it's falling down around him. And he's that's initially what I thought. Of, of holding it up. And she's trying to say, like, you're destroying yourself from the inside out just especially, to keep me around. Especially with the third visit to this exchange where like the the panel walls are, mm-hmm. are shattering as well it just feels like the interior of his mind is collapsing mm-hmm. kate being the voice of reason like hey i understand we lost talent but let's not lose everybody else too we need you here right his refusal to let her go holding on to what he still has i think like, it's beautiful yeah it and sucks I- for her obviously and you know like a lot of people talking about the fridging conversation is that still what's happening here i think you know back and forth yeah but- I, I also really like seeing this be something that's pulling Kate out of her curmudgeon state. Her murder mindset. Yeah, like she's kind of getting a heart a little bit again. And she's saying, okay, like I need to be real with you. I need to connect with you and let you know that there are still people here who care about you and we still need you and that we empathize with you. We we're here for you. We understand this is a really difficult loss. but and And I just feel like Kate – you know, four issues ago would have just been like, Slash suck it up, burn. like, let's go, sink, you know, get get over it. And yeah. so she's starting to have a heart again, Feel which again. I appreciate. I just, I love the ridiculousness of this. Nimrod's coming. Spider-Man decides to web up the computer so he can't 
see it? Question yeah. mark. Even though he was literally inside it a moment ago. Speaking through your computer interface, you must have it unless that was on a cell phone. Tell me I'm Nimrod. Right. And and so what what's going to happen here is Nimrod wants to destroy what they're working on and they just need to keep him distracted long enough for it to finish its thing. Right. Yeah. The surprise attack from below and an incoming Banff as Nightcrawler saves the machine and moves Nimrod to the streets. Mm-hmm. Kate coming in with a little slash and grab with Achilles tendons in the swords and then moving into the street as Spider-Man with some self-realization. <laughs> Maybe I am a menace. <laughs> Spider-Man's involvement here makes like little sense unless we're just following the thread that for some reason Norman Osborn and Gold Goblin and the rooftops and that all makes sense. Sure. But like that line of maybe mm -hmm. jo maybe Jonah was right. Well, I also think that Spider-Man is here because of his connection to Kamala and that they have like this sure. partnership. So when she's like, mm. who else can help? Like they they in the Spider-Man comic, when they work together, they both don't know each other's secret identities. Correct. Or OK, so. And that was kind of the realization once Peter is revealed and, and Kamala loses her mind. Like I was interning. I was working with. Spider-Man, like mm -hmm. Peter Parker. Oh my. Yeah. Okay. Well, I do love like Kate facing through Nimrod and he's like, fool, you can't face through me. And she's like, nah, I just needed to distract you. I know. Yeah. Right. This isn't I'm really not here my to disrupt your technology. Just right. look at me. So Wolverine can come and slash him up. Where's this lightning coming from? Is this Nimrod created? Is this, yeah, it looks like it's coming yeah, from it his hand. Yeah, it comes from him. Yeah. Because it comes back later on. But yeah, Wolverine. <sighs> How many times have we danced this dance, Weapon X? Dude, do not call him that. That's rude as heck. You know, that's what you are. Also, what is this? Is does, Are they just trying to say like, yo, don't forget X-Men 97 coming in hot. Why? Because he's in that outfit? Because of this outfit, yeah. I mean, Wolverine comes in, he's like, nostalgia. I mean, he wasn't he wearing that on the cover and in Latveria? But yes, I mean, he only has like... Two out, three outfits, the and they're blue, just various the blue colors. The sure, blue undies, you know. Yeah, maybe it's also just the the rendering of that noto shot mm. and, and the colors being very true to that cartoony yellow. Mm -hmm. But the blue unders definitely send it home. Yes, but we we can't we can't know the outcome just yet of this battle. Just a splack to because get you to. Tease yeah. for what's to come. Just get me all riled up. What does up. it mean, Clayton? Can't tell you. Can't tell you. Because right now we have to whisper some secrets into Wilson Fisk's ear and let him know his Mary is back. I love this just, hey, things are coming, serfs. You better offer your fealty because I'm in charge. Right. Like just, just the heads. I think we do get confirmation that this is all happening before gang war. Mm -hmm. And because of the fact that Mary is back. Right. And the timeline with how that works with gang war. Right. So... Is Wilson aware of the gang war brewing and it's about to happen? All of that's currently going on in Spider-Man. Mm -hmm. So Mary comes back. She's she's full loopy again. I mean, she's multiple personalities. Yeah. Right? So she has d split personalities by her different names. Typhoid mm -hmm. being a different version of herself. Right. And she's 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 ready to own up. She's ready to own up to her love loving in an alternate realm. And <laughs> Wilson's like. I don't, I don't want wanna, to hear it. I don't want to hear that because I'm going to kill you if I do. I don't need to know you that. Don't, you don't want to know what I'm going to do with that information. You know what is concerning to me about this exchange and this moment in time? Is that now, so Wilson's been 
fully on the side of the mutants. He's been helping out. He's Just been doing all this to get Mary back yeah. to because of Mary. Now that he has Mary and all of this power, like, I mean, yeah, is he going to really care about the mutants anymore? Is this about the mutant people? Does he still want to fight for them because of Mary, or does he have what he needs? So, do the mutants have what they need from him? No, no, you don't think so? I think they still need him to hold up the front of being, you know part of the hellfire club and not oh, no. be destroying them it's it's not a front <laughs> right but what i'm saying is like he does have that power but he also is allowing them the underground workings and like sure, covering sure, sure. for them and beating himself in the face with a pipe you know for the sake of the mutants but like is he going to still do that or is i don't he think going he's going to go out of his way to save take the over now i don't i think he's he's shifted from good to neutral mm -hmm. i don't think he's going malicious just yet but is he going out of his way to save a nameless mutant that he's never met? No. no. He's got what he wanted, both power and his wife. Is just Wilson's coming up aces. Oh, Wilson. The fall of the House of X spared one pair of lovers. Jerry. The worst you, pair to spare. What are you Jerry. doing with that? What what's coming up? What are you saying about Tony and Emma? <laughs> oh. Talon with the final argument. Let go, save them, and he just can't do it. Yeah. Until the end. Ooh, and when, okay, so Jerry, listen, I love you. I know you're right, but to write the words like the longest relationship in X Men history. Sure. Like, Gene and Scott fans are going to come for you for that. I yeah. feel like. Yeah, maybe. Because you're, what are you saying? Oh, because we had all those years in the vault? I mean, it, not publication history wise, but. Time-wise, it is arguably no, the longest romance of all time. It's 100% accurate, technically. Sure, sure, sure. And that's the best <laughs> kind of accurate. Yeah. Anyway, let's let's catch back up with this fight. As Sink wakes up and realizes, hey, I gotta go. I gotta go save these fools because Spider-Man's quips are not doing anything against Nimrod. Yeah, Wolverine's knocked out. Kate's getting gut punched, and so you know what? What is there to do but face from the floor and pull lightning from the sky? Bring the lightning down. This attack on Nimrod. I mean, godlike power to get him to go ones and zeros, little mm -hmm. binary action for a couple seconds, and then he shakes it off. Mm-hmm. That just, I mean, they are proving he is a physical threat in the ways that he withstands all of their powers I and mean, adapts to them. Yeah, Spider-Man drove an entire truck nothing. into him. Did a did nothing. Not a single, did he didn't even like stumble. He right. just stood his ground and laughed in Spider-Man's face. I think the interesting thing here is that Nimrod does not kill any of them. Even though, you know, historically and even recently, he has killed several iterations of X-Force Well, he repeatedly. attempts to right sure. here, but then they are, they teleport away. Yep. Using what looks like magic stepping discs. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Must, Interesting. Maybe she's nearby. Right. Well, I mean, Mary came back, so. That's what I was hoping for, yeah, the rest of something. them. Yeah. I mean, because technically I know we have Danny back because she's leading the, you know, the team in the Infinity comic, but where's Marrow? Where's dust magic? And curse. Where's yeah. dust? Where's curse? Where is curse? We need slowly curse. fading into obscurity. No. And now, where are we? Do you think we're going to the X Force base? 
Oh, that would be cool. In the in the frozen tundra? I didn't think about that, but that would be great. Mm. I mean, that would make sense. I don't I would imagine that this team has heard Quentin Quire's telepathic signal mm. in the same way that Beast heard it and then came and took what he wanted. Yeah, but they they go to this place and they have a in the wintry backdrop. Logan, so it'll be fine. Walk it off. Go to get him some help and but we but we it's time. Okay. So, Sink is talking about Polaris, right? Yep. He's talking about hostages. What hostages? The hostages being the humans affected by the Krakoan Oh, that makes sense. Okay, the hostages are free. Give Polaris has the green light. And I'm assuming that this is now revisiting their need to lead the strike on rescuing Cyclops. That this is in... This is like a a continuity wormhole because... Mm. You're looking at, okay, let's go free Cyclops. So this has to be after Fathox 1, mm-hmm. where the attempt, and before Fathox 2, where we're telling Polaris to go ham. Mm-hmm. All of that happens after Wolverine, Sabretooth War, and X-Force. Is the greenhouse even still there? Right. right. Also, are we ever going to get information on why wolverine and kate and kamala came back to an underground lair full of blood Blood and destruction or you know and also jerry like i love you but you told me that we were going to get answers to kate in the gates the fall of the house of x is wrapping up krakoa is wrapping up i need the answer stop toying with me (laughs) Don't make this bloody room be a secondary thread that I'm going to wait and wait and wait and wait and wait for the answer for and never get. Well, I mean, you have Kate on the cover of next issue. Let's uh, she's coming through a teleportation <sighs> disc, you know, like, the next it, issue cover. It could it could happen at any time. He could tell you at any time. It just not likely to have any narrative impact Whatever. other than what it has had I thus far on know. her story. If it never makes it into a story, can you at least just like slide into my dms and let me know jerry like i'll keep it a secret okay yeah yeah yeah. next issue krakoan is magic with a k what do you think of this okay i i feel like this issue was just okay for me actually us talking about it made me like it more um classic i know i'm glad that it was part of the story that we needed to see, right? We have to see Sink's struggle. He's been such an important part of the X book, the X-Men book and story in Krakoa. We've seen him grow so much and his pain is fuel for the fire that we need. I did like the sass and the quips and I did I did have a few like, oh snap moments during the Nimrod battle, but I it, it did feel a little slow for me with us being in the depths of the war. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I said, we still have no answer about that blood, and I just want that. I want to know, and I want to know like where that falls in the timeline, and I just feel like we're running out of time to get some of those answers. I am excited for what this is setting up, though, and the character moments in this issue are super important and impactful to the larger story, so I'm on board. Like I liked the issue. I think I just wanted something in it that gave me... Like, I just feel like as we're revving up and we're getting closer and closer to the end, I want there to be more, like, shocking and twisting moments. But I think that the bulk of this issue is really about Sink letting Talon go. Right. And that, you know, that is an important story. And it tugged at my heartstrings a little. But I think 
it's making me feel like I have no soul for the amount <laughs> that it didn't tug on my but, heartstrings. I mean, I just it, it's hard because you're like, how much did you bond with this? version of another character that's been scientifically aged and you know I, just, I don't I don't have the same emotional connection to Talon as I do with Laura right right and and I don't think you're expected to right but because of the way that Everett has really grown on me over these years right I think that I'm feeling more for his for him emotional impact and the desire to be the leader he needs to be and soldier on right than i am for the loss of talent because i thought that i thought months ago that we weren't gonna get her end back. this yeah. with talent being intact it just it's the continuity wormhole of explaining who and what she is and right. just needing another version of a wolverine right and you you know that they've you know how long they've been together, but we haven't, as readers, experienced sure. them, their relationship together because so much of it was hidden in the vault that we never really saw. Right. So you have this like premise that these two have been together like for this endless amount of time, Forever. but we don't feel it as much. But then, yes, like people who really connect and feel for sync, like that's why I was saying I think this is such an important part of his story because. Right. You look at where he was at the beginning of Krakoa and how he's been stepping up and becoming a leader of the X-Men team. And then to have this emotional, gut-wrenching thing happen is now, like, taking him to the next level. Like, that's how we get the sync that we get in Rise, right? That's how he becomes that person because he has to go through this loss. Yeah, potentially. I think uh, it's felt like an in-between issue. Mm-hmm. Which is a weird feeling in this ramp up to the end, kind of to mm -hmm. what you're talking about, right? So good character moments, not discounting that, not taking that away. It just is that where we need to focus a full issue on mm -hmm. when we're building to this massive fight? Does it feel like we're building to a massive like is this something that feels like it's adding to that build up, or is this kind of still positioning the pieces in order as as we're talking about this issue our neighbor has started using a snowblower and mm -hmm. we're just too close to the end to stop so apologies if you can hear that in the background yeah <laughs> you know it's a snow day and people are trying to get after it we already paused for the 20 minute plow that i've never seen a plow plow <laughs> one street so many times yeah <laughs> i don't know it just like good important characterization for him and and the push of his emotions aside and to power through and to be this uh, amazing leader, kind of a lackluster fight showing how nothing the team can do will mm. stop Nimrod in anything. Right. And, you know, even the combo moves only slowing him down momentarily, right. which I thought is interesting building to Nimrod's threat. It's just like it's a... we've known that ever since the first appearance of Nimrod, ever yeah. since the first fight of Nimrod. Like he can take down multiple mutants at a time. But it is a good reminder, right? Because not all of us have brains of steel that can remember every single bit of in information. And we do know that Nimrod is super strong and powerful. But it's important, I think, for us to see that again, to see that like – Kate can't disrupt his technology. Like, nothing you throw at him is going to take him down. So you need to think outside of the box when it comes to fighting him. Yeah. Alicia and Justin, there are four of us, the Gene Queens. Mm. And since finishing reading X-Men 31, there hasn't been a minute where at least one of us isn't crying. This was six hours ago, and some of us are at work, teary-eyed, and looking ridiculous at the pharmacy or vineyard. We've always liked Jerry Duggan's writing. He's good. He's never bad. 
With this issue, he achieved greatness in our eye. The shiver in the spine and the scintillating tremors in our minds and the elation that comes with a story taking residence not just in our hearts, but squirming in the good way under our skin. I love that the Gene Queens are so invested and so vulnerable and so emotionally attached to the characters, you know? Yeah, I mean, Mike loves Mariah Carey, agrees, bidding goodbye to old Laura, so sad. Mike thought that this was going to take place in Australia. Didn't last issue say something about it? Am I crazy thinking it was all going to be down under? And that is a part of the standoff. I think we'll see that in Iron Man, mm, yes. if not a further issue of Fatox, as that is where Tony and Emma are sending the fleet that they are building mm. and where Orcus and Phalong especially are focusing on meeting them. Yes. So I feel like that will play out in the next issue or two of Iron Man, but we'll mm. see. Adriel Ranger is so heartbroken about talent. I wanted to see more of her. Mm. I agree. I mean, I, it was sad. I'm glad we got as much as we did. I loved their relationship. Mm -hmm. But I also, I felt like this was coming. Yeah, I didn't think it was coming because I don't think that we could continue on with both Laura and Talon. But I do, I mean, any iteration of Laura is fine by me. She was a baddie. Fake Torta pointing out that the conclusion of Sink and Talon's story condensed to two to three pages in order to make jokes with Spider-Man for so many pages. I roll. I love Peter, but you have so many mutants that you are not dedicating page space to. And Nimrod felt so much lamer than in other versions. Jerry flopping in 2024 where he must step up. Ooh. Which I, There are a handful of people that are like, this This is not the payoff in plots that we were expecting. That mm. we have all these, you, you've got juice, you've got things to play with, and it feels like it's fumbling a little. Mm. And and I'll be honest, like especially with the lead up of last issue, I didn't see, I didn't need to see more of this internal struggle of Sink and Talon. I felt mm -hmm. like that was given enough, and especially kind of framing through the whole yeah, issue. Yeah, I agree. I felt like that was a great enough send-off would i have liked to see more development in some characters that weren't spider-man quips mm -hmm. yeah probably i think you know that added some levity to what otherwise didn't really feel like a scary book so i don't know if you needed the levity no but i think if you if you took the levity out and it was more of the sink and talon then it becomes a very depressing story you know so like that maybe that is there as a balance I mean, to the sadness aren't, right aren't they in the dark Aren't right. they, you know, fighting? Well, yes. But I do think that there was, I personally think there was enough attention given to it. And, and I think that we needed to see that Sync was being distracted from this other thing by being so invested in saving talent. And we needed to see how it was tearing him apart inside and, and causing him weakness, right? So, but I, but listen, everyone's opinion is valid. Respect your feelings. One more summer is in the same camp. I really hate how the Orcus plot feels so anticlimactic. All the Hickman hype dragged down to a typical Saturday morning cartoon. Mm. Which I mean, so you have the hype of Orcus, the built of the, and I will say that Jerry has added to that build, kind of more. Like you know, Hickman didn't really tend to the Orcus plot. Mm -hmm. He set that up in Hoxpox, lightly teased it throughout X Men, and then brought back to it with Inferno. But mm -hmm. other than that, you know, th these builds of Phalong, Modoc, Stasis, like that's all been Jerry building in more things, more black hats, as he mm -hmm. refers to them. But I do agree that, like, it doesn't feel like they're a threat right now. Right. It feels like they're s scrambling to try and keep up with the counteroffensive that the X-Men are bringing. 
which it should it be? I don't well, know. I do think it's interesting that Orcus, they they did kind of have sort of like a cockiness to them. Like they've gotten to the point where like they think that, oh, we took you guys all out of the Hellfire Gala and now we can just kind of like sit back and let our plan unfold. Like I don't think they're really expecting the mutants to be as much of a threat as they should be expecting. So Right, because they feel like they are disenfranchised and on the ropes. Right. So I do think there's going to be a little bit of arrogance that is the down- that does play into the downfall of Orcus, but... I agree. Like I want, I want there to be more stakes. I want there to be more battle. I want, like my soul wants every issue to be like, just gut wrenching and and high stakes. But that's also not realistic expectations. I don't know. I I agree with what they're saying about the Orcus feeling like it's anticlimactic. I want the bad guys to be bad, and they just kind of feel like they're waiting for the good guys to retaliate. Mm. Like they're not doing the bad things that they said they were going to do. Right, they're that not. that is true. Right, well, with they're not killing they're just kind of like and... puttering around. They're they're not really. They have a handful of stray mutants that they somehow can't seem to get a hand on. They're not doing anything about the humans. They're not doing anything about the visual presence of the mutants mm. in the world. Like, I wonder, like in the eyes of Orcus, if they've, like, what's their end goal? If their end goal is to make everybody hate mutants... No, their end goal is to exterminate mutants from the planet Earth. Right. So, I mean, I just feel like they don't see it as much of a threat as we see it. And that's their... That's... Hubris. Yeah, for sure. X-Men SPZ said X-Men 31 felt like a pretty anticlimactic finish to a major significant Orcus threat of Modoc's Krakoan pharmaceutical manipulations. We were talking about this before, about how like it was never really used. It was just kind of teased. And Talon's demise, while predictable, felt way too rushed for my liking. This is probably the first time that Unlimited felt like a more important chapter to the overall Krakoan story Mm. than our flagship title was. And honestly, I don't disagree with that. I felt Mm. like the Unlimited issue built up a larger part of the counteroffensive than X-Men tended to. Like, we we know that this team is the team that has been kind of like dealing with the kind of smaller potatoes as Fathox takes the larger stab forward. Right. And I would say that X-Men Unlimited building this team, building that out, showing what they're capable of and, and the moves that they're doing in the UK was a big bang. Yeah. And I, I still, I felt like Talon was handled fine. Yeah, I agree. I, and I, 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 not trying to discount anybody how they're feeling, but I, you know. I didn't right. think I didn't feel like that was rushed. Yeah, it's agree to disagree kind of thing. Like you know, we feel everybody feels what they feel. Vaderino coming in with a wild theory that I'm into. Ooh, I'm, I love a wild theory. Hit me. I'm probably wrong, but it would be cool if he stored Talon in Nimrod. He mentioned needing a cradle after all. Am I insane? Oh. Right, a, a cradle data. That is essentially what a Cerebro backup is. Whoa. I don't know how Sync would be able to do that unless he was somehow syncing with Trinary as well and transferring that data of her her lived experience, which is basically what it is. And, you know, you think about the origin of Nimrod in this story is the essence of Gregor's husband. Right. right? I don't know. That is interesting. He goes on to say, I could also just be in denial because I felt like Talon had a lot of potential. Agreed. I mean, the the, the little like voiceover does say, as he set her mind adrift, the longest 
romance and X-Men history finally ended. And then he gasps. So mm, it makes me think like if that line hadn't been there and he had gasped, he might have gotten the idea to put put her in Nimrod. Yeah. The the how of it is the question, right. too. The timeline, I agree with what you're saying, is that like he let her go and then fought Nimrod. Right. Yeah. But, oh, man, that would be so cool if that was what happened. Mr. Tyler Seven calling out the differences between Nimrod in X-Men 31 and Nimrod in Inferno and how vast they are. And I think I think I said this a couple of episodes ago. There are two Nimrods. Mm. You know, there is the Nimrod murder bot machine with Omega Sentinel at his side, just annihilating humans, mm-hmm. annihilating teams of X-Force after and after. And then there's like the playful taunting Nimrod. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's an after effect of the Sentinels thinking that they have the upper hand on everyone. Right. I don't know. Interesting. Interesting, yeah. Comic Extracts, Daniel saying that Noto captures expressions so beautifully, agreed, loved the feelings in his art, this book, feels like they are closing up shop. Extraneous mutants are on the editorial chopping block. Listen, I don't want to say that I've been saying that, but because like, some people became too complex in the Krakoan era. It's much easier to cut off those loose strings than to continue to explain the, the whole Talon thing. I mean, right. it just, yeah, she was here and she's got a different version of herself. And But then you look at how many characters fit that bill. Easy. You, you could make another continuity wormhole. Right. Or you could just not explain it and move on. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. Eagles Waterboy really liked the art in this week's issue of X-Men. Marvel should make more X-Men rom-coms. Oh, I feel like I, I want to say, yeah, but then I also just feel like people will be like, there's not enough risk. There's not enough stakes. Sure, sure, yeah. I mean, I, I think that that is a, a joyful Infinity comic. Right, yes. The, the Love Unlimited, yes. you know? But, yeah, but like Karma to, and Love. Yeah, and that was a great story. That was so good. And even some of the, like, the Rogue and Gambit in the Infinity comic mm-hmm. versus in the physical book. Right. Yeah, you know, I think it's it's different when you're coming to X-Men for an X-Men story, and, and then it's, it's maybe something else. Mm-hmm. Jai Rivero thought the art just didn't fit for X-Men, and he never felt that Nimrod was a real threat. The story was eh. Mm. In this issue, I would agree that Nimrod kind of felt like he didn't know what he was doing and how to actually attack. He's fought Nightcrawler before. At least, maybe not this version of Nimrod. Maybe that's Nimrod the Lesser, and he even makes that distinction. That was the lesser version that had been sent back in time to fight the mutants at that point. This is Nimrod the Greater, unaffected by Kate's phasing curveball of spider-man in a truck yeah i wonder if it just had to do with like what his goal was like his goal was just to stop destroy the, the machine yeah. computer system thing and but i mean why wouldn't he just kill people in the process of doing that that's kind of his bag fabio Zucconi agrees on the art noto's art on x-men not great you know i think that that's what we were talking about at the top is especially the action scenes it didn't feel like it had the same type of energy that we were expecting yeah Super Smiley likes Noto, but thought his action fell flat for this filler week. And I mean, <laughs> to go a step further and to call this the filler week, I think is kind of... Filler can be good. Filler can be filling. Filler can have juicy bits of things that relate to something more. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I would agree. I mentioned the couple of call-outs to the Phoenix Force, and mm-hmm. is that what's going on? I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't think so. I don't know if I would put too much hope on that. But when you were just talking, it reminded me of the first thing. So because I 
I have the ShareCast for the Patreon. When someone responds to the ShareCast, it opens up a Marco Polo-like channel with just me and them. And <laughs> but Blanchina started it out saying to me, it's okay, you can say it. Comics were just meh this week. And I was like, yeah, that's... They were good. Yeah. They were fine. It's You're right. I enjoyed them. I did enjoy them. Yeah. But there was nothing... Nothing earth-shattering. Life-changing. Nothing right. I, I got to tweet about uh, X-Boilers. You know, right. nothing... But we can't have that every single week or the sure. weeks that we have it. It's just not going to feel as exciting. So it's like a difficult balance you have to have in your mind about it, you know? Warline going into a continuity wormhole of dark web, going into the Beyonders, the Unbeyonders, the fact that Sync synced with the king in black do we think that that will be back in some way i don't know that feels like a, a big complex thing that al is working on elsewhere mm. i would be surprised if that tied in there has been no lead in to that making a, a natural appearance mm -hmm. but you know you never rule something out they seem to be throwing a lot of stuff into this eventually we'll see i guess the answer is you never know you never know Anas expected more as well but it was good to know the timelines of where things fall. And, mm -hmm. and he definitely called out to the idea that don't tell Kingpin you cheated on him. Yeah. He'll kill you. Yeah, definitely don't do that. JP Dinomaso Tien is up for next week, this week. How <laughs> excited is everyone for Polaris to begin her attack with the brood? I'm so excited. All caps, very excited. Ready. Let's go. Let's go. LFG. So that's that's, that's all that's coming. What's what is coming out tomorrow? Oh, that's all that's happened. That's all that's come. No, no. What is coming tomorrow? Polaris, Fatox number two, mm -hmm. and Wolverine number forty three. Oh, baby! And Amazing Spider Man number forty three. Mm. Okay. All right. Sounds good. That's a great time. Until next time, old friend. Cheers! Thanks so much for joining us today on the Ex-Wife Podcast. Be sure to leave us a review and tell your friends. The Ex-Wife Podcast is produced in Providence, Rhode Island by Alicia and Justin. Our music is by Quan. <laughs>